0: Hello, Hello. and welcome to
1: Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your resource for reviews, recaps, and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. I'm your host, Colin Kennedy.
0: I am your host, Jenny Carlson.
1: And we are back for the third podcast in a row this week, celebrating the imminent release of Cobra Kai Season 5. Things are reaching a fever pitch in the Cobra Kai fandom. Is that not correct?
0: It is correct. Today, again, Wednesday, the internet is swarming with spoiler information. Stories about what happens, actual scenes, apparently entire episodes. I've seen links to stuff. I've seen screenshots to stuff. Luckily, a lot of these characters wear the same kinds of outfits over and over. And if I just keep my gaze dim and unfocused then I don't see exactly who's talking to whom. Just, oh, there's a character we already know. Sure. Mm -hmm. I will say for those of you who want to see officially sanctioned scenes dropping, Billy tweeted out a scene of Johnny that looks like an extended version of something that was in the trailer. I did not click. Hayden Schlossberg tweeted out a scene that he said it had something to do with Terry Silver. Again, I did not click, but those Twitter accounts are there for you as well. We are just avoiding all information aside from the clues that we have from season four so that we can give you the deepest reading possible of what we, the, the viewers have. So really it's been fascinating to see the fandom reel from this much of a release. Last year, there were some spoilers leaked. This year it's just a whole lot more the visual presence is a lot you know i don't want to scroll through while we talk because i don't want to see something spontaneously so i you know as in my own career as a fan of different shows i've had a couple of things ruined for me in other franchises so i'm perfectly content to avoid spoilers and i also have to say having seen screeners before of things Why are the screener people spoiling? And no, it is not just people in Latin America, which is one rumor going around. The calls are coming from inside the house, for sure. I guess you could say the calls are coming from inside the LaRusso Mance?
1: Fair. (laughs) Dang. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but we didn't get screeners this year, and even if we had, you'll notice our watermarks are not anywhere on them, so... Hmm. Throwing some shade out there. You're trying to think if we have any other.
0: Again, we are not sure the time of the release of the new episodes. We presume it will be around midnight California time, 2 a.m. our time. Actually, TechCrunch just posted that the
1: release is th- 3 a.m. Oh my God. E-T. What time?
0: ET? Yeah. So, so that's all right, 2 a.m. Yeah, our time. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it's out there. This seems to be. A consensus, even though we're not going to get a virtual premiere like we did last time because they're doing the in-person premiere today in California, it is exciting that we will, some of us, be staying up or waking up very early. And without further ado, we should probably get into this episode.
1: Well, we have a a couple of quick pieces of business. One more piece of uh, show news is that this ta-da is our 50th episode
0: it is i thought we had 56 episodes not quite
1: i mean it depends on how you want to measure it and i admit i wasn't always keeping the closest track but if we've done 40 cobra kai episodes and then we did the three karate kid movies and then seven trailer news roundup episodes Then that brings us to an even 50 with this episode today, Wednesday, September 7th, 2022, day three of
0: Cobra Kai 5 release week. Awesome. Well. So cheers. To us. Yay. Yay. And as we clink our glasses, I should probably tell you about today's cocktail. As you will remember, one of us decided it would be a great idea to do a cocktail an episode. Still is. Still is, at least for this season. Our livers may not hold up forever, but currently... We have gone through several different types of drink. Mm. A favorite of mine was the Beer Negroni, also the Glacier Freeze-based drink that we made.
1: Oh, that was interesting, yeah. And
0: we made Suntory Highballs a while back in yeah. honor of the Okinawa trip that My took. favorite
1: so far, because then we got that good Suntory whiskey to go with it.
0: That's true, which we have used in subsequent cocktails. The last one we made was the Tornado, which I found underwhelming in presentation, but surprisingly tasty in taste.
1: Well, a little goes a long way when you... Combine four hard liquors. The
0: biggest surprise was definitely the moon juice, which is just kombucha and a mimosa. And that worked out surprisingly well. Did not expect because I'd only ever had alcoholic booch that I liked. And this was very good. So yeah. time to rethink Moon's lifestyle and make it my own. Today, we are drinking a drink in honor of Cousin Ness, who appears in this episode. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, she is played by Julia Machio, who imbues this character with... Real, believable characteristics, while at the same time carrying a number of cultural references, not only to the Karate Kid, but my cousin Vinny. Mm. So she really did a great job. And since she is spicy, we decided to take the idea of an Aperol Spritz, which is a now classical summer aperitif and turn it on its head with Campari spritz which you can also get a lot in a lot of places Campari spritz it's not that big of a deal add a little cayenne pepper to it so but first of all here's the deal a just
1: a pinch of cayenne.
0: yeah you don't even have to add the cayenne that's okay it just depends on how much realness you want from Cousin Ness that's right I believe that the Campari spritz is three parts Prosecco
1: that's right it's three two one three parts Prosecco two parts Campari One part soda water.
0: Exactly. And then you throw in an orange slice and a little spice. That's right. Another one of
1: our friends suggested jalapeno, which I would have done. And again, yeah, we had a couple of options with today's episode, Party Time. Obviously, they're at the prom and there's punch, so we could have done a punch. But we figured, you know, yesterday's was pretty hardcore... Today's should be a little bit lighter. So this would be for the dinner party at the beginning. Indeed. If you're having a family dinner and you need some dinnertime cocktails, you really can't go wrong with the nice Campari spritz.
0: You truly cannot. So it's a pleasure to have made this one. I was really racking my brain to think like, what could the cocktail be for today? And then we were both like, oh my gosh, Cousin Ness, this is easy. Something Italian, Campari, mm-hmm. something slightly spicy, and also something very refreshing because that woman is a breath of fresh air.
1: That, yeah uh, hard agree so speaking of cousin ness i think that covers all our items of interest from around the Miyagi verse for today so let's get into today's recap yes indeed so are you ready to get into it i am ever so ready well then let's get stuck in with cobra kai season four episode eight party time party
0: time <laughs> The title of this episode is a line from the Karate Kid Part 3. Nope, I know you thought it was Wayne's World, but it's in fact Karate Kid Part 3. That crease, or Terry, I can't tell. They say it when they bow before they're fighting Miyagi in the old Cobra Kai dojo. And I should also add that this episode is written by seasoned Cobra Kai veterans Joe Piruli and Juan Thomas. And directed again, as was our previous episode, by Tanya McKiernan. So, without further ado, we have an opening scene at what Colin has called an unknown manse as someone in fuzzy robe, red slippers, walks up to a nice kitchen island and grabs a pastry before picking up their Nespresso. Who is this person?
1: Well, it's a wake-up montage, and it's your typical morning wake-up montage, and we pan up to see Stingray. Yes, Stingray. Paul Walter Hauser is back. It's still braided. In Cobra Kai. The show not
0: the dojo we'll see more about that later but yeah he flings open the double doors of this large unknown manse happily breathes in the fresh air picks up the paper and wishes a good morning to his neighbor greg it isn't some freeloader was blaring shitty Metallica all night. Stingray's here ready to explain that that was actually Exodus's Blood by Blood.
1: Yeah, he's annoying his neighbor Greg by blaring Metallica, only it's not Metallica.
0: It's not your fault, you don't know the genre. Yeah, Greg's exposition allows us to learn that Stingray remains, quote unquote, unemployed man baby, crashing at his sister's house where he's been junking up the neighborhood with a squirrel obstacle course.
1: Yes, in other words, he, if you ask him, he's house sitting for his sister. But he's cleaned up today because he's off probation, everybody.
0: Well, and he's still pretty quick. I mean, like he said to Greg, does he think he's the king of Egypt? All he drives is a Miata, which is not the top of the line. Greg asks, does Stingray even have any friends? And this is the moment when we are reminded that Paul Walter Hauser can make you feel things for him even when his character is absolutely ridiculous. He scoffs, A friend is the hope of the heart. And the neighbor replies, it was Greg Hughes who said, Get your goddamn frisbees off my roof or i'm calling the police yeah greg also says you know go do what you're going to do with go your fris- friends and play kung fu all day
1: right so- and as greg chides stingray he's turned away but his pace slows and he does a dramatic turn on his foot back to camera and says it's not kung fu it's cobra kai my name Stingray! Yeah, I know. You still stink, Ray. <laughs> Stinkray! <laughs> Tread carefully, Greg. Tread carefully, Greg, indeed. You mess with the cobra. You
0: get the fangs. That delivery is especially effective when followed by a chomp off a giant danish. Then, done with their morning duel, the neighbors retreat to their homes. It's a pretty strong open, I gotta say. Yes. Indeed. And Greg is amused at the Stingray line, even though Stingray is not so much with it. Time for class.
1: In the Cobra Kai special ops room, it's... Listen, John.
0: Terry's working the bag.
1: I just want you to know. That's right. I haven't forgotten what you did for me. Crease arriving to summon Terry for class.
0: Yeah, Terry's pound, pounding the punching bag. You know, he hasn't forgotten what Creese did for him, and he'll do anything to prove his loyalty. Anything?
1: Anything. Wow Terry reminds us of What we learned In their last scene together I wouldn't be here If not for you Crease saved their lives So it's pretty much Creese in charge He's there Just to take good care of me Like he's one of the family
0: Kreese. Captain John Kreese. yeah terry seems serious about this wookie life debt right and and then crease says to terry let's get to work sensei like yeah, you know, we're all fine here now maybe
1: so we exit to the main room cobra kai proper where in the front room
0: kyler is bullshitting as usual <laughs> this time it's about the limo that's taking him to the prom if he actually has a date Robbie and Tori are less than amused.
1: Well, I mean, the limo's coming at six, Kyler announces. Or Robbie approaches Tori to see if she has a big date to the big dance.
0: Well, she says... A- Let the rich kids have their stupid party. And that's when
1: Kreese comes in for today's lesson. So today's lesson is about balance, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. This isn't the way Miyagi-Do does it. You're going to learn how to get inside the heads of your opponents and throw them... Off balance. As Robbie and Tori start sparring, Robbie somehow gets it in his head to ask Tori to ask him to prom.
0: Now, I don't think he was really that contrived. I think he doesn't believe that Tori could actually be into him, even though he's into her. So he says that if she crashes prom... You'd be a hella way getting your opponents off balance. Not as much as if you showed up. Politi fact equals true. She says he'd do the same to his if he went, but as he notes, they won't let him.
1: Not a student anymore.
0: going let me in. Maybe they would, but they will, says Tori, if he's her date. And naturally, Terry is listening in and says it's a great idea. And he adds, I think it's a great idea. Okay. If you're going, you're going in style.
1: Yeah, so basically Terry overhears and offers to bankroll Robbie and Tori's prom, which is a pretty sweet deal, really, all things considered.
0: What's up? <laughs> you guys remember that one? At that exact moment, loose from probation, Stingray arrives, alas, in the old white Cobra Kai gi, showing us how out of touch he is with the dojo's new reality, even though he knows a couple of old standbys like Dieter.
1: Yeah, Stingray enters, and Creese is unimpressed. You know, Kreese has never suffered buffoons, and they don't come any more buffoony than Stingray.
0: Yeah, Kreese says you were never part of this team.
1: You're a buffoon,
0: a joker, an embarrassment. You have no value here. Man, Paul Walter Hauser is selling it. He tries to say he's one of the guys, but Creese replies that Stingray will never beat Cobra Kai.
1: Creese emotionally sweeps the leg and drops Stingray to the metaphorical mat.
0: And this is where Stingray, kind of Samwise Gamgee's out. You can't help me anymore. You don't mean that. By saying this is a test, right? Sure. Get the hell out of here. And Terry watches by the door as Stingray walks out, right? He misses nothing of this scene.
1: Indeed. It'd be very interesting to hear what Terry thinks of Stingray just on this exchange alone. But enough of that. We have to jump over to the LaRusso manse.
0: What are you doing?
1: Why are you cutting the mozzarella? You're going to dry it out. You're losing all the juice. I'm making bruschetta, you Stu You let the juice out so the bread don't get soggy. And at the LaRusso Mance, it looks like it's all LaRusso's on deck. We've got Louis, Daniel's mom, and as well as new edition
0: cousin Vanessa,
1: played by Julia Macchio. That's so fun.
0: Yeah, Julia Macchio, who's clearly part of the LaRusso family because she looks like a carbon copy of Ralph Macchio, clearly a product of Parthenogenesis. Louis is brisketta explaining to her that there's too much juice in her brisketta topping, but when he tries to fix it to his meddling standards, she says she'll bite his fat fingers off, so...
1: Oh, she's a real Jersey firecracker, that Vanessa.
0: Yeah, there's some real Tri-State vibes coming off this conversation, right down to her outfit, which looks like she's about to smack some sense into a couple of utes. To what? What? Utes. utes. Did you say utes? Yes, the two utes. What is a ute? Oh, To youths. As Amanda says, Louis' sister is more Louis than Louis.
1: Yeah, Amanda is nervous having family around during the Anthony crisis.
0: Yeah, he's got a few weeks left in his room with no screen time after the whole Kenny debacle. And Amanda wants to keep Lucille out of it. She's finally getting along with Lucille, which means that she's letting Lucille micromanage her table linens. Hey, Come on hey. in. Make yourselves at home. Amanda, hi. Oh, Welcome. hi. <laughs> hi. hi. Good to see you? Hi.
1: At that oh, moment, gosh. they're joined by Johnny, Carmen, Yaya, the whole Reseda Heights gang. They're here to escort Miguel who is
0: escorting Sam to prom. Yeah, when Johnny comes through the door here, we get a guitar riff to underscore the tension between our two senseis. Okay, here she comes. But there's no time for it to come to blows because Sam is coming down the Spanish tiled staircase of the LaRusso manse.
1: She descends the staircase to Sam's theme.
0: She's wearing a hot pink A-line prom dress with bows where her rhinestone spaghetti straps meet the bodice. And she's got her hair down and a classic smoky eye as well as a boutonniere in her hand of hot pink roses to give to Miguel. And there's ooing and off screen as she descends and looks shyly downward and then injects a moment of real sweetness into a potentially tense social situation. Miguel tells her that she looks amazing and he looks dashing himself. He's in this tux made of black jacquard fabric. Like that's when cloth has a raised pattern that's woven onto the fabric. And of course he has a hot pink bow tie to match.
1: That's right. Daniel and Johnny give them a moment alone Sam espouses,
0: I can't believe we finally get a night to ourselves.
1: Yeah. Miguel responds, Uh, Karate, no rivalries, just uh, you and me.
0: (laughs) Before they can escape, Cousin Ness rounds everyone up for a family photo. As Miguel lines up with his mom and Yaya, Rosa murmurs to Carmen that Miguel looks more and more like his father. And you better believe that Miguel overheard that. Meanwhile, Louis is attempting awkward chit chat with Johnny, You know, I don't hang out with those biker guys anymore, so... But Carmen rescues Johnny by having him join the Diazes in their photo, even though he's a little awkward about it. In fact, he even makes a fist for the photo, just like Billy Zabka does at cons. Then it's the LaRusso's turn, and Ness tries to summon Anthony. Anthony!
1: Most days, Anthony takes his time going home. But today is Prince Spaghetti Day.
0: But Amanda counters that he doesn't need to come down. And of course, as he does come down, Lucille says, Who told you to stay in your room? Because Lucille's in charge here. And then as Cousin Ness slash Julia Macho shoots the picture, she says, Come on, one big happy family. Let's go. Because let's be honest, that's who these people are in
1: real life. Cut back to Reseda Heights, where Carmen and Johnny arrive back at the complex. And whoa. Johnny. It looks like Shannon is there to dump a Robbie-sized bucket of water on Carmen and Johnny. Shannon, this is...
0: Carmen, his girlfriend. Yeah, Carmen's pretty assertive before Shannon says who she is. None of this would have been necessary if Johnny would just keep his phone on him. So Shannon had to come in person to talk to him about Robbie. And she adds that Terry Silver is trying to grease Robbie and Shannon herself. He's given Robbie a car to use for prom.
1: Yeah, she reports that Silver dropped off a car and a Robbie-sized wad of cash. And Shannon knows a sus rich dude when she sees one.
0: Saying that him and his date were going to go first class all the way.
1: But since it's Cobra Kai biz, she insists it's Johnny's job handle it.
0: And once again, just like when Daniel told Johnny the story about the dangers of Terry Silver, Johnny misses the forest for the trees, mostly focused on the fact that Robbie's going to prom, that he's missing out, right? And not how scary Terry Silver sounds. But if there's one kind of person I know, it's a rich guy who wants something he's probably watching out for robbie but he's also mad that someone else is providing for robbie so he's going to go teach terry silver a lesson and we'll see how well that goes but we can't see that just yet because first it's time for the junior prom
1: hello yes it's time for the prom and we do a big pan over the crowd
0: The music rocks, and Miguel and Sam and their pals are having a blast. Everyone, except for Eli and Dimitri, where they're kind of having more of a Misery Loves Company vibe, they don't have dates, and the after party that everyone was looking forward to got called off. So once again, they're binary brothers over at the Snacks, but I don't think all is lost.
1: A wild Yasmin appears. Dimitri? Jessica Rabbit, what are you doing here?
0: Dimitri is thrilled.
1: And by the way, Dimitri has broken out his trademark Pac-Man jacket for this occasion.
0: Yeah, I mean, since every kid in California is required to spend their childhood either playing 80s games or watching 80s movies, Dimitri is wearing the Pac-Man suit, and he observes that Yaz's long red dress is just like Jessica Rabbit. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Indeed. Yeah, somehow she will find a way to get back in time for her dad's wedding. So Eli smiles like he's happy for them as they head off to the dance floor, but then he looks miserable because he sees them passing Moon on their way.
1: Yeah, meanwhile at the punch bowl. Flying tornado kick Johnny had me practicing. I just don't really understand how they'll use it in the tournament. I always say no karate talk. Miguel and Sam talk karate when they aren't supposed to be talking karate.
0: I mean, I kind of have empathy for Sam here because I get it, being sore after learning a flying tornado kick. Imagine you're You're skewering watermelons with your foot, and then you've got to go dance at the prom?
1: Well, points to Sam. They are taking this tournament thing pretty seriously. If she's practicing her karate the afternoon before prom, you'd think she'd have other things to do.
0: That's fair. But this is the valley where everyone learns karate in like six months or less, and then competes at the highest level imaginable. Indeed. It's a lot
1: lot of pressure. It is a lot Uh, of pressure. And then at that moment, Robbie and Tori make their big entrance, Jessica Rabbit indeed.
0: Yeah, I remember that this shot was in the trailer, and some people thought this was a completely different character. To me, it was always pretty clear it was going to be Tori, just the color scheme of the outfit. But they really are a fine couple, if I do say so myself.
1: Oh yeah, they definitely cut a figure in their prom outfits. And of course, Miguel and Sam have a big react as various shade-throwing glances are thrown about. Cut to the LaRusso-mance <laughs> where the festivities are dying down, but Louis's trying to convince Daniel and Amanda.
0: Yeah, he wants them to let Cousin Ness analyze Anthony, and Daniel says no, but he persists. I'm going to make you eat those words. Hey, Ness! Okay. Nessa! Okay. Louis, come here! Anyone would be better who Daniel and Amanda have, which is no one. And Amanda says that they could do a lot better than Marissa Tomei Jr. over there. Do you get the joke? Because her name is Cousin Ness? She's clearly a tribute to My Cousin Vinny. Huge. Starring none other than Ralph Macchio. And if you want to feel old, consider the fact that full-grown Julia Macchio was born the year that Ralph made that movie.
1: I mean, it could be worse. All the cast of Friends are now older than the cast of Golden Girls when the Golden Girls started their show. And
0: facts like that are why we should not read Twitter. (laughs)
1: Anyway, Louie is insistent that Nessa has the goods to tackle Anthony's bully behavior. Amanda and Daniel are, of course, skeptical.
0: From Nessa's perspective, Anthony has... But my educated guess would be that he
1: has environmentally induced disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, possibly related to a screen dependency, or full-blown IGD. Regardless, I'd want to look at the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. It's an evolving science. It sounds legit, but she doesn't want to talk to him.
0: That's not how this works. I want to talk to you. Astonishingly, at least one person on this show seems to understand that if a kid has a problem, the parents might have something to do with it.
1: You think? <laughs> Meanwhile, at Cobra Cot, you changing the lock's gonna stop me, honey is doing a nice little B&E. Come out, you sons of bitches. Yeah.
0: Johnny breaks in at the back of the Cobra Kai dojo and walks into the special ops room, which is now full of all this equipment. He looks around, yells at the empty space, and as he comes up the hallway, the office phone is ringing. He answers it. Hello? Mr. Lawrence, breaking and entering, are we? Terry has been spectating this whole time.
1: But he's caught on camera by Terry who decides to make a threatening phone call, cue up all our scream, speed, and in the line of fire clips.
0: I see you standing over the grave of another dead president.
1: That's not gonna happen. I'm on to you.
0: You know, Johnny's just trying to tell Terry to keep his cash and his influence away from his son. And Terry, sitting in his beachside fortress watching Johnny on the camera, says, Prom is a special night. Did you even know he was going? Again, typical Cobra Kai move getting up in Johnny's head about Robbie, also about Shannon.
1: Terry drops a very ominous street corner for a clandestine meet and greet.
0: He tells Johnny... Corner of Magnolia and Lancashire. You know it well. ...a location that he's confident Johnny knows. And if you're into Hollywood film locations, you know it too, but more on that in a minute. Johnny's expression suggests that he's a little apprehensive about what might be happening there. And now Terry places another call... Asking the person on the other side of the line what they're up to tonight. Meanwhile at prom, we've got some smooth jazz music playing. Miguel and Sam are dancing, and Robbie bumps Miguel as he and Tori take the dance floor. They're watching us. Let's put on a show then. Again, their Swayze-esque moves look like they cruise right past primetime into late night territory. And Miguel and Sam are unsettled, right? Sam has to call Miguel's attention back to her. So much for that being all about them tonight. Yeah, Miguel
1: is big time distracted. Robbie and Tori are cutting a rug. They decide to put on a show for the crowd. It is very Dirty Dancing vibes. Yeah,
0: but like Hungry Eyes vibes, not Time of My Life vibes. Yeah, well,
1: nobody puts baby in this corner. Yeah, especially the baby in question being is Tori, Tori
0: Nichols. It's nice of the other students to part ways so that Robbie and Tori can take up the entire dance floor. You
1: think they're next for Dancing with the Stars?
0: Yeah, even though Martin Cove didn't make it far on Dancing with the Stars, there's hope for the young cast
1: of Cobra Kai. Cut to LaRusso Mance, where Nessa has Daniel and Amanda dead to rights. Yeah,
0: she sings. It's fair to say you didn't consider the ramifications of giving him his own electronics. And she suggests that Anthony learned key life lessons from the internet rather than from his own parents. Daniel concedes that Anthony may have picked up these things, and he can't really say whether he's been able to correct Anthony. Look, there
1: are far worse kids with electronics horror stories, Terminator 2 chief among them. Dipshit. Did you call moi a dipshit? But they admit that they discipline Anthony. We discipline when it's appropriate. Then they kind
0: of... Always... I mean, too much. Start to stumble and backtrack. But not too, too much. Amanda sounds like a kid who hasn't quite studied for the exam, but is trying to make it sound like she has. Like she's, she doesn't want to sound like a delinquent parent, but everything she's saying is revealing that she hasn't put a lot of thought into this, and also that she's kind of not in control of her own emotions. She. What are you writing? Yells at Ness. See, this reaction Is at the root of the problem? Ness says she can prove her hypothesis about their parenting issues with a simple question. And in a line written to try and break Ralph Macchio, who has a son in real life, in addition to his daughter, Julia, Ness asks, Now why do you think you love your daughter more than your son? And Amanda is so offended that she grabs at Ness's notepad, which has four simple words written on it. What? Give me that pad! What are those words, Colin?
1: This is the test. Do
0: not mess with Cousin Ness. It's been a long time since this place has been a dojo. This place was always good to us, and it will be again.
1: Back at Cobra Kai Central, and this is the first time we're seeing this set now. OG uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah, since the 80s, yes. Terry and are at the former Cobra Kai, but to our surprise, it's no
0: longer a candle shop. Yeah, they're admiring the old space, and Terry says he heard it was a candle shop, which it is in real life. And Terry has purchased it for a remodel again. Yeah.
1: Terry was remodeling it back in Karate Kid 3. Apparently went to some other people, got sold, resold 30 some odd years of getting turned over. And now Terry's bought it again and is remodeling it again and it's going to go back to being a Cobra Kai. You
0: know, my dad has a boat like that that they used in the 70s, sold in the 80s, bought back in the 90s, and still ride in a day. We took it out once. Remember that?
1: I do. It's just
0: like the same thing with this dojo.
1: I was just thinking that...
0: Less crimes committed, in perhaps. The, in the Valley,
1: it seems like karate schools are like spirit Halloween stores.
0: They are. They just keep they, coming They just, keep they coming just come back. and go. <laughs> yeah, like a bad penny. They always turn up. Indeed. Terry talks about how they're going to expand. After we win the All-Valley... Going back to our roots. I've got my agent looking for other locations for when we expand. Like, Creese looks a little, like, kind of surprised here. Like, ha, huh, ha. Huh. So, you know, for Terry, this is about going back to their roots. And Crease is gratified by the attention, it would seem. Terry's
1: excited to be going back to their roots. We're just one tournament victory away, he insists. These kind
0: of, yeah, they're just so smug.
1: I mean, it's a very, like, top-down approach To ruling the Valley's karate infrastructure. You would think the move would be... (laughs) The karate
0: infrastructure. There's water. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, electricity. Mm -hmm. And And karate schools. Yeah, waste management. Yeah. Karate schools. California.
1: Right, exactly. But you would think, Terry, being an old-school 80s business guy, the move would be to flood the market with cheap karate classes at multiple locations and then, by volume, win the tournament. Indeed. But no, they're going to do it top down. They're going to win the tournament first to get the publicity to then launch the karate schools.
0: It's a very old school approach. At any rate, Terry has his agents looking for other locations because he's making their dream a reality. And Kree says, as far as surprises go, this is a good one.
1: (laughs) I mean, political fact equals true. So far. Yeah, the most benign surprise Terry has ever pulled by far. Indeed. But Terry says this isn't the only surprise, yeah, that's ominously, pretty cool. as we cut back away to prom where Bert is making time at the Punch Bowl when Stingray arrives to crash the party.
0: Yeah, Bert's explaining to a very nice seeming girl that he's with Eagle Fang Karate. You may have heard of it. It's pretty badass. Bert can't get his Mac on, though, because Stingray is calling to him from behind a pillar. Bert! Hey, Bert!
1: yeah stingray's doing some polonia shit here he wants
0: either a
1: borrower nor a lender be there's just one other thing
0: you ought to do do thine own self be true
1: <laughs> stingray wants back in cobra kai but bert is eagle fang now no matter stingray is offering up his sister's house as the after party location tell everyone he says what is it with sisters this episode?
0: And what is it with adults inappropriately sneaking into teen spaces? But yeah.
1: And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it?
0: So Bert tells Stingray he's moved on from Cobra Kai and he's got to get back because the slow dance is where he makes his move. But Stingray not mad about it. He's got that after party location set. This guy's poor sister who we never see.
1: Well, there's always season five.
0: That's right. God knows what her connection to everything is. Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, on the dance floor, Miguel and Sam are dancing, but they can't forget the darlings of Cobra Kai are having a blast just a few paces away. Tori and Robbie are having one of their many conversations about social class, right? This is one of the things that these two characters do all the time.
1: Yeah, Robbie drops the detail that Shannon was a dancer. No word on whether this was modern ballet or exotic, but apparently... Robbie also knows how to cut a rug. Tori says that that was never an option for her.
0: Yeah, Tori says she had to teach herself and then exposits that these Encino kids have their whole lives cut out for them and she'll never have that. But she continues. But if I could just
1: win this one time, then I could look at that trophy and know I was best at it.
0: So when they started this conversation, I was annoyed because these kids bear so much existential weight to the show. Like I just said, they're always talking about social issues. I wanted to see them being kids for a change. But here we get some vital information as to why the hell after all that she's been through, Tori might want to continue with Cobra Kai. It's not just about like Miguel or Sam,
1: right? It is and it isn't. And that's something we can really pick apart in the analysis portion. But in the meantime, Robbie assures her that she'll win the tournament. Tori puts her head on Robbie's shoulder and asks if the others are watching. But Robbie doesn't care if they care.
0: You bet they're watching, especially Sam. I mean, who could fail to appreciate the smoking chemistry? Oh yeah, it's real
1: fire. Yeah,
0: and Miguel is put out by Sam's attention to
1: it. Meanwhile, back at Cobra Kai Central, we hear tires screech as Johnny arrives to the party. As a special surprise for Crease.
0: It's so wild to see the Eagle Fang mobile pull up outside the old dojo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The established shot of the space for lease is straight out of Google Maps. So if you look at the storefront surrounding the location of the old address, and maybe I'm dwelling on that because I'm dreading the confrontation to come, Johnny goes through the door of his old dojo. Sober then gets the drop on Johnny,
1: <laughs> knocks him to the ground, leaving his ears
0: ringing. Yeah, Terry kicks Johnny in the face with no warning, and Johnny goes down, and Kreese looks on with concern. That's what you get for betraying your sensei. We see Terry sort of looming over Johnny from Johnny's POV, and we get this blurred vision and the sound of ears ringing from a blow to the head. And Terry tells Johnny that that's what he deserves for betraying his sensei. And now Kreese is beginning to put two and two together, saying, You got him to come here? Yeah, Kreese is surprised that Johnny's
1: showed up. I mean, he's not the only one. But Terry tells Kreese that... He had to prove his loyalty. You wanted back at him, right? Well, here's your chance. He's like a lap dog. He's like, I brought you your slippers. Well, the slippers are all chewed up, but that's what you wanted, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I go back and forth about the extent to which Terry is trying to catch Crease in a trap of the double mm-hmm. standard, you know, between Terry and Johnny. You yeah. The Creese doesn't want Johnny really hurt, but he would hurt Terry himself.
1: Well, also kind of pursuant to our discussion on the last episode like is this wanting to go ahead and just get Kreese's fascination with Johnny like out of the way like you get your revenge on him do that and then we move on to other Cobra Kai world domination business
0: yeah well and also just on a more elemental level you know the title of this episode party time that's what they say when they're trying to take on Mr. Miyagi together so Terry thinks this will be a redo of their ambush of Daniel and the fight that that led to with Miyagi. That was a good ambush. Well, it was, it didn't work out so well for them. Although to be fair, it's going pretty well for Terry at least. But what he's trying to do is reclaim that old magic but win this time.
1: Yeah, their old Karate Kid 3 dynamic is returned and it is weird.
0: Yeah, especially (laughs) for Chris.
1: Yeah, it's a weird energy. Terry's plan. The only way that loser has a shot at winning the tournament is with the DS kid, right? How's that kid's confidence gonna be when he sees a sensei beaten to a pulp? It'll totally throw him off balance.
0: But while Terry's turned to Crease explaining this, he doesn't see Johnny slowly rising from the ground with his ears still ringing and biting his lip in that telling rage expression, right? Yeah, Terry tells Crease that. Unlike him, I actually heed your lessons, Captain. Yeah, again, while Terry's engineered this trap for Johnny, the person he's springing it on is Crease forcing increase to uphold the standard he set for Terry but for Johnny and there's no time to dwell on that though because Johnny flies in from the side of the kia and catches Terry in the groin
1: apparently this time you and the captain were not able to make it happen the beatdown begins Johnny actually gets some shots in on Terry unlike Daniel 30 years ago Terry versus Johnny is some full-on fan service today
0: yeah Johnny punches the shit out of Terry but he catches Johnny to the throat blocking and then throwing him back And Johnny returns the blows, but Terry drops and rolls and comes back up with a gleeful whoop, right? So Thomas Ian Griffith's movements here are completely fluid as he never stopped practicing martial arts in real life. But you forget that's him, all you see is Terry Silver. And this is a guy who finds joy in causing pain. And he throws this roundhouse kick at Johnny, but Johnny's got Miyagi-Do moves.
1: One could say he's got moves like Miyagi. He's got moves like Miyagi. Ooh, he's
0: got moves like Miyagi. I appreciate that you will go that extra mile to drive your point home. Thank you. You're welcome. Kreese is looking on with concern, and we get a heroic movement in the soundtrack as Johnny blocks Terry with the Miyagi-Do defense, recalling Daniel and Mr. Miyagi on the deck all those years ago. But Johnny's luck is going to change because Terry knows Miyagi-Do too, right? He fakes him out, and catches Johnny with a kick and throws him into a sawhorse. So,
1: (laughs) I guess you didn't learn much, huh?
0: Yeah, that's what Terry says. And Crease gasps, right? Like, in a way, Crease is transforming from Crease into the Miyagi figure in this moment, although to associate those two is kind of blasphemous. But Crease stands up for Johnny. Terry asks Crease if he wants to see more and goes to pick Johnny back up to hurt him some more. And tellingly, here, Crease steps forward into the light. Let him go.
1: Creese is like, let him go now. We agreed to settle this at the tournament. Terry asks Creese what happened to No Mercy. Creese says Terry should know better than to question him.
0: Terry says that he thought this is what Creese wanted. And again, like, watch Terry pacing here as he takes it in that Creese really cares more about Johnny Lawrence than Cobra Kai and then by extension Terry. So Terry is, this is his network moment, right? This is where Terry fully breaks. He's mad as hell and he's not going to take it anymore. And Creese, meanwhile, looks down at Johnny, battered on the floor, turns on his heel, and walks out. I wonder if Creese realizes what he's revealed to Terry here.
1: Did he reveal anything Terry doesn't already know? Cut to Chateau de Stingray. It's party time. Excellent. Yeah, another kind of party time. Yeah, Stingray is festooned in his finest red and black jumpsuit for the evening's activities. It's a classic movie house party straight out of Superbad,
0: Booksmart, or even Plan B. We see Stingray standing at the front entrance to his sister's house, and then we pan back to see front goers behind flung open doors, more people are on their way in, rock music plays, and it's an all-out banger, although you know Greg is going to call the cops.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. We pan over to Hawk, who's disappointed that Moon is
0: Yeah, or at least she isn't there.
1: Meanwhile, Dimitri is too busy making time with Yaz to care. Sam and Miguel appear to be having a better time. But of course, since it's a Stingray party, the drama is not far behind.
0: Yeah, Miguel goes to grab beers for them while Sam seeks up a snacks. And he's looking over the selection while Robbie walks up and makes eye contact with him. So that's not great. But before anything can happen, the music cuts off. Whoa, the day the music died, what's going on? Guys, turn it back on. Stinger runs in and asks what happened, and Greg appears and announces himself, reminds everyone there are families on the street trying to get some sleep. If you all don't go home right now, You are going to get arrested. Greg doesn't realize that these guys have had the cops called on them many times before. Okay, relax. Hey, guys, hey, you don't have to
1: leave. There ain't no party, like a Stingray party, because a Stingray party gets interrupted by the police.
0: When Stingray is at a party, the cops will be called.
1: Yeah, I mean, if Stingray is there, I consider it a Stingray party, even though the last one was at Moon's house. Fair. Yeah, Greg has arrived to kill the music and the vibe. And while Greg's point is sound, it's wild that he decided to interfere with the party directly rather than... Call 311 like anyone else would. You know, Greg makes it personal, so. And this is a loser, everyone! Stingray retaliates
0: okay. in kind. I warned you. Yeah, Greg tells everyone why Stingray's a loser, and Stingray thus oh! kicks Greg in the face, noting it's That's really not gonna this. sting. Oh! And then Stingray tells the students to party on, everyone's cheering for Stingray. Party on!
1: Yeah, I really love the cut to the reaction of the Kyler, Piper, and the new Cobra Kai students. They are really impressed with uh, Stingray's Cobra Kai chops here. Piper is a fascinating character because she's full-on evil Cobra Kai, but she's so cheerful about it.
0: Yeah, she's the unknown D&D quantity of cheerful evil.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, watch her in the background when Stingray kicks Greg in the face. It's pretty outstanding.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So as everyone cheers for Stingray, we cut to the LaRusso Mance, where Anthony is sitting in bed when Daniel walks in to say that he knows the suspension and no screen thing sucks. But they're trying to help Anthony grow into the person they know he is. Boy, that is unhelpful. Anyway, Daniel says it's his fault and the tournament stuff is making him lose focus on what matters. Daniel's like... Yeah, the the punishment sucks, but we want you to
1: become who you were born to be. Uh, only
0: I know who that is.
1: Yes. Yeah, Daniel delivers his heartfelt apology to Anthony for the grounding. I made this exact same speech to our dog, Arvie, the other day. He took it well. I know it's been crazy around here this last little while, and that part, that's on me. We're trying to help you to grow into the person we know you are. Right? Mm. So I hope you understand why these consequences are necessary.
0: Mm. <laughs> Anthony says he's looking forward to the tournament, and he hopes that Miyagi-Do wins, adding, Screw Cobra Kai. And Daniel says, On that, they can agree.
1: Unfortunately, the mood is broken when Daniel hears the notification beep from under Anthony's pillow.
0: Yeah, Anthony's got some digital contraband to play Dungeon Lord with.
1: And Daniel, finally having had the last straw, snatches that tablet and breaks it Give in retaliation. Hey. On top of it all, can't, delivers can't, a Johnny can't, style.
0: Can't. Quiet. Well, Anthony asks Daniel if he's insane because Daniel's broken his tablet, and that's what Daniel is quiet. And that tells us that just as Johnny's learned some tricks from Daniel, Daniel's picked up a few moves from Johnny, too. And then he tells Anthony, who is stunned, that he's going to learn to listen to them and do as he's told, and if he doesn't, he better strap himself in for one hell of a rough ride because, because I am done playing games with you.
1: Do you understand me? Meanwhile, Back at Chateau de Stingray.
0: Yeah, we're at the keg by Sister Stingray's pool, and Sam's taking off her shoes because it's a miracle she made it in those shoes for this long. And she's just filled her red Solo cup when Tori steps up behind her in line. And Sam's ready with the shit talk, telling Tori...
1: Seems like you're always behind me in line. First Miguel, now Robbie. I have a half-eaten cupcake in there if you want some.
0: And Tori comes back with, You know I'd kick your ass, but I promised your mom that I wouldn't. And when Sam tells Tori to stay the hell away from her family, she says, I don't take orders from tiny little bitches. Sam turns back to the keg, thinks it over, but who are we kidding?
1: Yeah, Sam then spins around and sucker kicks Tori when she's turned away. It's very intense as Sam then sweeps Tori to the pavement, which then prompts Miguel to come running around the corner in shock.
0: Yeah, he pulls Sam off and asks her what she's doing. And Sam makes her motivation plain, like she's doing what Johnny said. She's not taking Tori's shit anymore. That's right. Sam claims
1: she's just doing what Johnny taught her. Tori throws herself at Sam. Miguel attempts to grab Tori. And like most interactions with Tori, it doesn't go well for him. Robbie then rushes in to interfere with Miguel's interference.
0: And as she yells to let her go, yeah, Robbie runs up. He sees Miguel gripping Tori's arm on the ground. This is kind of a redo of... The fight at the end of season two and the rolling speed of everyone getting involved in this fight. And Robbie swings at Miguel, but Sam grabs Robbie, looks him square in the face, and yells, You think I broke your heart? You broke mine too. Hell of a moment for a reveal, Sam. Very, very Tommy Wiseau of you.
1: Yeah. And, and oh, hi, Mock.
0: <laughs> Miguel heard that, and nobody notices Tori coming as she sweeps Sam this leg.
1: Sam picks the absolute worst time to make a heartfelt confession to Robbie, but then it becomes a co-ed 2v2 Sam, Robbie, Miguel, and Tori.
0: Yeah, the fight choreography becomes near indistinguishable from dance choreography here as the dojo darlings swing each other around then kick their opponents near simultaneously. If i known this was possible, I would have taken square dancing so much more seriously in elementary school.
1: If it hadn't been for cotton and joe i'd been karate kicking a long time ago
0: wow through much grunting and panting as the subtitles say tori uses robbie to lift her so she can kick sam and miguel in the face and now it's an all-out fight as robbie gets miguel on his knees and says johnny only cares about miguel because he wants to feel better for screwing up as a father boy using those cobra kai lessons on the fly I can't believe I'm excited about that because it's horrible. Anyway, Miguel shows Robbie and they lunge and punch each other and they collide with Sam and Tori in their own fight, ultimately sending them into the pool. Because it's not a real party in California until somebody's all wet.
1: That's right. And that's the moment where everyone goes in the pool but Robbie. (laughs) Stingray arrives to be the big fat party animal he is. Look, I'm not trying to be sizes, but... Quite frankly, this is the only way you can describe this character.
0: As the crowd reacts, Stinger runs out holding a slice of pizza in one hand and a beer in the other. Oh, we're jumping in the pool?
1: This is the greatest night of my life! Cannonball!
0: He cannonballs into the pool, and that's all the encouragement everyone else needs to jump in the pool too. It's a real Bedford Falls high pool situation. What's the matter, Othello? Jealous? Did you know there's a
1: swimming pool under this
0: floor? All we need now are Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, preferably with a song that isn't linked to Minstrelsy.
1: Preferably. It's at this moment that Robbie leans in to help Tori, but Tori playfully fakes Robbie out and pulls him into the pool too. They're having a blast. On the other side of the pool, Miguel and Sam are having less of a blast. Miguel is upset at Sam for breaking the detente.
0: Yeah, he tells it rightly. Tonight it was supposed to be for the two of them and she ruined it and sam asks miguel why he's taking tori's side is it because of the same reason he's been staring at her all night listen teens you have feelings it's okay cut to the hardest scene in all of cobra kai oh this is pretty brutal back at casa de johnny where
1: johnny is drunk on the floor as we get a bit of a redo of a similar scene with mr miyagi from karate kid one sensei you got a second to talk i've been having a real rough night
0: Yeah, Miguel knocks on Johnny's door, seeking advice about his disastrous night with Sam and probably his feelings for Tori, and finds Johnny drunk on the floor, his TV falling to the ground. So RIP the TV. Now we know how the TV met its end this last season. Miguel asks Johnny what happened and why he drank so much, and Johnny says, Oh, come inside. Come inside. And if you are a Karate Kid fan, you know this is a callback to something very crushing.
1: What happened? Why'd you drink so much? Old man can kick
0: also working as a callback to previous scenes. So, while Mr. Miyagi sang old Japanese songs and he was drunk, Johnny's mumbling the lyrics from what sounds like "Spence is Working Overtime by XTC.
1: Well, you know, Miguel helps Johnny to bed, and Johnny is just a mess. He takes off Johnny's converse, gets Johnny's beer, and he doesn't get it, like he takes it away. Um, and Johnny's less graceful than Mr. Miyagi, but his heart is true. The problem here is that he's not talking to who he thinks he's talking to. It's awkward. Johnny forgot the most important thing, which is to drink buffer waters in between your Coors banquets. And now he is so sloppy drunk. I want to be a father to you. I tried to be there for you. Just suck at it. I really suck at it. You're doing just fine. That he is mistakenly called Miguel Robbie when Miguel puts him to bed. Johnny really slams the door on Miguel's heart here.
0: Well, let's break it down, right? It's especially rough because of the way that that Miguel is being so compassionate toward Johnny. Because Johnny drunkenly says to Miguel, I try to be there for you, but he wants to be there for him so bad. And Sholo earns himself what should be an Emmy nomination here because his eyes tear up and he tells Johnny he's doing just fine and he loves him. This is such a sweet moment because... You know, Miguel needs to hear this from Johnny. Johnny's been a bad father figure to Miguel, and he's been feeling low about it. And it's such a sweet moment that it brings Johnny to tears. I love you. Except that as he turns over to go to sleep, he says, I love you too, Robbie. And this is when you see Miguel crying for a different reason, right? Because now, in that moment, Johnny has made true all the things that Robbie said about Miguel and that Miguel has feared about Johnny.
1: Definitely a rough time over at johnny's apartment
0: the thing that's really hard about this scene with miguel and johnny is i mean these guys are pros but but zabka and sholo love each other in real life Mm -hmm. the characters love each other in the show that's why it's so good but that's why it's so horribly painful to see
1: well i think it's also so horrible to see because the audience is aware that both sholo and miguel are sweet dear soft boys and they don't deserve to have their heart broken like this. No indeed it's true. Yeah I mean Johnny's been a heartbreaker from way back in the day but not like this Johnny, yeah. not like this. Yeah
0: this is a new low and in typical Johnny fashion it's a low you don't even know that you're stooping to. Cut to outside the golfing <laughs> stuff. we're near an amusement park ride that is contractually obliged to be golf and stuff and Robbie and Tori are sitting in a red convertible with Quicksilver plates reveling in their victory at prom
1: yeah Robbie and Tori are in Terry's Quicksilver Ferrari they're gloating about their sick karate dance moves Tori's saying that she had to do all the same moves as Robbie but backwards and in heels Tori can't believe Terry let Robbie borrow that car Robbie says They gotta return it tomorrow. Tori says it's the same with this, revealing the tag on her dress is still attached.
0: They really stuck it to those rich kids. Sure hope the store doesn't mind that. The chlorine smell? Indeed.
1: Yeah, meanwhile, Tori and Robbie have decided to get their money's worth out of that car, if you know what I mean. I mean,
0: this is progress in their relationship, right? So they're making out and we get like kind of a classic 80s teen movie pan out as they're kissing in the car. Boy, they, they really, I mean, the beginning of the season could barely talk to each other.
1: Cue the audience going, "Woo!"
0: I guess. I mean, I'm worried. Anyway, cut to the next morning. Next morning at La Russo Mance, Sam is knocked out. Amanda walks in as Daniel is making French press coffee, which is curious given that he also prefers to make espresso. And at this moment, Anthony walks in. He took out the trash. Amanda is stunned. The first time in his life to do so. without that anybody asking? And, and to add to the shocking moment, Anthony admits he screwed up. I screwed up.
1: Okay, I did some dumb things to that kid and it went way too far.
0: What a legend, just like his t-shirt says.
1: Anthony is remorseful about his toxic behavior. It looks like the Miyagi magic is working at least on 50% of the LaRusso kids, according to Amanda. Unfortunately, it was actually Eagle Fang that got their fangs into Anthony.
0: Anthony says that he heard what Daniel said and he'd like to help out in the dealership or the dojo again if it's cool, which that would be cool, Daniel says. And that's when Amanda says, Well, I don't know what kind of Miyagi magic you pulled, but it worked. But we and Daniel know whose methods finally enabled him to reach his son. Anthony hears the cry of the eagle. Cut to the Cobra
1: Guys. Hey, Cobra Kai podcast. My name is Jeremy. My name is Mikey, and today we are covering <laughs> Cut hey to guys. the Cobra Kai... No, not them. <laughs> Cut to the Cobra Kai special ops room, where Terry's pacing around with a bottle of, of booze in his hand, scoffing at an absent freeze. <laughs> He's no he and Johnny are a lot more alike than we assumed. Johnny may have already passed out, but Terry is also drunk and ranting.
0: Not since Willem Dafoe's terrifying mirror monologue in Spider-Man... Has someone's angry rant scared me so much? Oh,
1: absolutely.
0: Here Terry says, questioning you, no mercy. Bullshit. I prove my loyalty. And then he throws his bottle down and looks completely disheveled.
1: Yeah, it's at this moment, the king of bad timing, Stingray, comes in to once again make his pitch for Cobra Kai membership.
0: But first Stingray has to observe that Terry has some of the Rock's gym equipment here, which tracks... And Stingray cheerily says, You ask any of the students here uh, what they think of Stingray, and they want me on the team, sir. Of course, he just had such a mega victory at prom, even though he's a grown man. Anyway, Terry's now going to kick the shit out of Stingray in a new, twisted kind of loyalty test.
1: Yeah, Terry is not amused, and he he very... How bad do you want it? ...creepily approaches Stingray and Stingray says it's all he thinks about.
0: I want it more than anything else in the world, sir. It's literally all I want. It's all I think about. I'll do anything,
1: please. And Stingray should be careful what he wishes for because it's at that moment that Terry proceeds to beat Cobra the Chi. hell out of Stingray oh. to piano music, as he is often wont to do.
0: Yeah, as piano music swells, Terry kicks Cobra the Cobra. shit out of Stingray the repeating, do you want to be Cobra Kai? You want to be Cobra Kai? And now we pan backwards down the hallway as the beating continues and stingrays sprawl on the floor. The scene fades to a smoldering end snake. Boy, what an end snake.
1: <laughs> we'll pause the playback so that I can turn to you, Jenny. And I will ask you what I ask you at the end of every episode, which is, what do you think of this episode?
0: Wow. Again? There's a lot.
1: There's a lot. I mean, I think the thing that keeps me coming back to Cobra Kai as a show is obviously the physical combat is top-notch, but paired with that emotional combat, it's a real peanut butter and jelly sandwich situation. Yes.
0: Yes, indeed. Yeah. And comedy is the bread. Yeah. That holds the two things together?
1: Mm, Well, if we're (laughs) going to carry this metaphor out to its obvious conclusion i would say that the comedy is jelly it's sweet the peanut butter (laughs) is the drama that holds the whole thing together and the bread is the combat which is what you see on the surface but it really goes much deeper wow well where should we even begin (laughs) i mean there's so many pieces at play like there's uh, there's the prom there's the stingray piece there's the prom piece And then there's all the fallout from Anthony,
0: right? Let's begin at the beginning with the title of the piece, which I've talked about a little bit in the episode, but the fact that it's called Party Time. And so often these titles have an ironic implication, right? Yeah, such as Bicephaly.
1: We never really touched on that in the Bicephaly episode, but that's a thing where a snake has two heads. That's true. But we figured you could Google it.
0: But the point is, in this case, the episode is called Party Time. Mm-hmm. It's an old line from the Karate Kid Part 3. I didn't pick up on the fact that it was an old line until I was making my notes. And I was like, that sounds like a line from the show. And Googled around to figure it out. And of course, it was Terry and Crease. How could I forget that? Mm-hmm. But one thing I like about putting it in the context of this episode is that we really see how much Terry wants to replicate the glory days of Cobra Kai. Also, I have to wonder how often he and Creese did this caught people out and tag-teamed them, whether during special ops or on their own, just for the hell of it to prove their karate dominance. Mm-hmm. Like, it hints at this whole other life to Terry and creases relationship, which you said, which lets us see who Terry's weakness is before he's realized it himself.
1: It also, in a weird way, puts him in the same category as someone like Stingray, who is a person who was... Looking for direction, found direction, but really is just constantly in search of trying to create glory days for himself. Yeah. Yeah. O- oddly enough, Stingray and Terry are a lot more alike than you would think.
0: Well, I think that that was on Terry's mind when he watched Creese push Stingray around at the top of the episode because- Ah, because there you go. For Terry, this is about creating strength and turning anybody into a winner.
1: Exactly.
0: And and Kreese is indiscriminately deciding who he wants in or out by completely arbitrary criteria to Terry.
1: Well, I mean, Kreese,
0: based on what
1: we know about him, based on what we've retconned about him in Cobra Kai now, seems to be a real, like, survival of the fittest guy. He just wants the strongest stable of fighters, and he really... And he wants them amped up and angry. Yes. And he really doesn't care about much more than that because he's going to dominate through fear because that's how it happened to him, right?
0: And he's used to being the King Cobra. So Terry's thinking if he can do it to this this guy who shows up in good faith and was willing to do what it takes, then he could do it to anybody. He could do it to me, Terry. I better test this guy
1: and see. Terry, having been a useful pawn in the past, knows a useful pawn when he sees one.
0: Indeed. So this is interesting to imagine how that refers back to their relationship. And then there's the party time element of the prom, which, again, that ironic meaning is sometimes a party is no fun. That's right. Or the party you think won't be fun is your favorite night of your life. Mm -hmm. That said, that last part I meant, of course, was how Robbie and Tori may feel. I think they, before long, they're going to learn that sometimes the only way to win is not to party. Right? Yeah. They've had this great night, but they got it through ill-gotten gains. They showed up on their own steam with their own skills, but Terry Silver bankrolled it, and I'm sorry about that, because they're great kids, they have great chemistry, they like each other for who they are, but the situation they're in is not tenable. I think the other thing
1: that I think of when I think of party time is as a meta element is that the timing of this episode in the series order, right?, So this is episode eight. The next two episodes, without spoiling too much, are going to be the big finale, pretty much the entire tournament.
0: And we're dropping that as one episode for those following along. Yeah.
1: But here's the thing. It's like when you're doing a big, long season of television and you're about to have something super intense, it really helps to have something a little bit crazier, a little bit lighter, a little bit funner just before that so you bring the audience up before you drop the hammer right and uh, we get a little preview of that when <laughs> when silver quite literally drops some uh, karate on stingray right there at the end but that's really just kind of like a, a cliffhanger like a uh, a way to jump out well, I don't know what I'm
0: trying to say with that
1: but you know what I mean?
0: It's kind of a shock thing, or what do you yeah.
1: mean? Yeah, no, well, I mean, it's like, the episode is fun right up until the end, where we get one of the least fun scenes, a couple, actually get back-to-back back a couple of the least fun scenes in all of Cobra Kai. Yeah. To temper us with that emotional weight, and then that primes us for going into
0: the big finale. Let's use the fan fiction term, it's a womp moment, right? Mm-hmm. Our characters are getting dropped on their heads and their hearts, One thing that has really struck me about this is is Johnny and Daniel's parallel journeys, which I didn't talk a lot about in the last episode recap we did, but I've been thinking about it a lot. Because sometimes the show, I believe, spreads itself a little too thin trying to make Johnny and Daniel the same, to drive the point home that they are the yin and the yang to each other. But in this episode, it's done in a way that is grounded Mm -hmm. in the character's time spent with the other character and not like a coincidental joke i mean with daniel it's funny when he yells at anthony to be quiet yeah but it's not funny when we see johnny using it to fight terry it's bittersweet scary sad it's a lot of things rolled into one and it happens so fast that feels very organic so it's nice to see the characters coming into their own in ways that they need to acknowledge that the other ones method is useful. Johnny always thought Miyagi-Do was for chumps, but he used it.
1: Mm -hmm. And Daniel always thought aggression was for chumps and he used it.
0: Daniel is always willing to rag on Johnny as a sensei slash father figure.
1: Also, Daniel talks a big game about being pure blood Miyagi Do, but as Terry Silver pointed out in a previous episode, Daniel's always been a hothead.
0: Yeah, he just kind of
1: doesn't admit it to
0: anybody. Yeah, think about how much stronger he would be as a karate master if he could channel his inner hothead into mm-hmm. something more powerful in karate.
1: Maybe we'll see that in the
0: LaRusso kids. That would be awesome. That gets to what I was saying about Anthony. He's, he's a wise ass, but there's a lot there to him that could be useful in karate. That's true. That could be explored through karate and that could create a new perspective on Miyagi-Do. I think that that's not a coincidence. But I would really like to talk about Miguel and Johnny, because if Daniel is finding his feet with his own son as a father figure, Johnny has been failing miserably as a father figure to Miguel.
1: I mean, props to Johnny for at least trying to put himself out there and As we discussed in the previous episode, Johnny has a lot of baggage around fatherhood and doesn't want to repeat the mistakes that were made to him, and let's face it, I think he's had about every fatherhood mistake perpetrated on him that could be possible, right? Johnny has a lot of very good reasons to be nervous about being a father, and yet he wants to try with Miguel, but Trying is one thing, but when you ha- are not equipped for it, not trained for it, not knowledgeable about it, how far can you get, really?
0: Well, if you're not looking inside at what you're doing, you're going to make the same mistakes. And But the main thing is that Johnny's looking at an idea of Miguel rather than Miguel himself.
1: That's Johnny true.
0: has always been trying to turn Miguel into someone more like Johnny. But at the same time, at the heart of it, Johnny really loves Miguel. Mm-hmm. I mean, Johnny wasn't upset when Miguel was hurt because he was going to lose his student or copy of himself that's just the only way he knew how to relate to Miguel but he loves Miguel and that's something that he hasn't had to confront the difference between the idea of what your kid your karate son is and and what you want him to be for sure because Johnny's so busy thinking about his own problems again
1: which makes me also think about Robbie who seems to be purpose built to almost be a clone of Johnny and yet he also doesn't want to follow in Johnny's footsteps despite the fact that he is almost perfectly doing so by getting roped into Cobra Kai and basically fulfilling a very Johnny role in that organization
0: (laughs) yeah I'm trying to think of the word for what Robbie is he's so like cocky in a yeah. way, or so sullen. He's
1: got a real edge to him. And he's calculating in a way that Johnny, practically no other character besides maybe Terry, is capable of being.
0: Yeah, which is one reason why Terry speaks to him. Because Robbie believes that you can win smarter by just winning, doing whatever it takes. Like, Yeah. But sometimes the person who screws up more obviously is the more humane person. Robbie has a humanity too, And part of that is Tanner Buchanan, who's like a thoughtful, really all in kind of guy. But, you know, that's how they've built the character of Robbie. Mm-hmm. And I wonder thinking about Robbie, like what would Robbie say if he were to see that scene between Johnny and Miguel? Like, what would he say at this moment in time? Yeah, that would be wild. Because I mean,
1: you know, it would be foolish to think that Johnny doesn't, have any feelings towards Robbie it's just that Johnny doesn't consider Robbie like Robbie's made it clear that he doesn't want to be messed with so at least Johnny is having the decency to give Robbie his boundaries right but at the same time it's like you can't turn that switch off Johnny's still gonna want to be a part of Robbie's life in some way shape or form and i think on some level robbie is looking for a father figure and coming up with bad ones at every turn so yeah he's he's really stuck i mean they're both really stuck in this in this situation and going into season five it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with this dynamic of the three of them
0: the thing about robbie and johnny is that when johnny takes an interest in robbie one of the elements is that johnny wants to feel better about johnny and that's all robbie sees but Mm. really what's going on is that johnny also genuinely loves robbie and i think that's for robbie like johnny loves robbie for robbie in a way that he's forgotten to express his care for and appreciation for miguel he also loves miguel but that's what Robbie doesn't understand, is that Johnny actually loves him like in an altruistic way, mm-hmm. in a selfless parent way. Yeah. So I'm just so sorry that Robbie can't see it, but maybe he will one day.
1: One day, we can hope.
0: Yeah, unless unless this truly is a Greek tragedy. So should
1: we move on to MVPs? Have oh, we- yes. All right. So I guess... I'll ask you first this week, who is your MVP?
0: Oh my gosh, my MVP. So I went through a few options, unsurprisingly. Option one was Miguel, Sholo mm-hmm. playing Miguel, because that scene in Johnny's bedroom, mm-hmm. the redo of, of that iconic Karate Kid scene for which Pat Morita got the Oscar nomination, that's a lot of pressure. And the scene is is different but same with that original scene. We get more of Johnny's weird edginess <laughs> and Miguel accepting Johnny's complete dysfunction in a way that is much more subtly treated on in the Karate Kid. They pull it off and they do it in a way that it feels like their own scene. You know, in the original Karate Kid, when you see that scene... You learn a new thing, several new things about Mr. Miyagi. One, that he's not always funny or standoffish. He also is brokenhearted. Yeah. You know, that he lost his wife. And he's not
1: nearly as cryptic as one would b- have you believe.
0: Exactly. He lost his wife and as a kid, he served for a country that disparaged his people and served with valor, got a medal for it. And he showed all that to Daniel and motivates Daniel to kick ass for Mr. Miyagi to go the extra mile to win the tournament. Yeah. Right. So in this case, this might disincline Miguel from trying to win for Johnny. And so that is a really big deal that these actors pull off in a way that is just effortless. And the show relies on those characters to do that work. And they compose it together perfectly.
1: That's I mean, you're making a pretty compelling argument for for Miguel as your MVP. So, or
0: Billy Zabka.
1: Or Billy Zabka.
0: Right, because because yeah. here's the other side of that equation, which is Pat Morita helped mentor Billy Zabka. He was one of his first like, in in the wild acting teachers, mm-hmm. and gave him advice on how to be. And they kept in touch over holidays and everything. So this is really a moment for Billy as a person, yeah. to step into that role that was such a big deal and to take on the weight of representing the same range of feelings that Pat Morita, yeah. Well, the wild thing about that
1: scene that I think about is that that scene in The Karate Kid was famously almost cut from the movie, and Avildsen fought to keep it in. Yep. Had he not done that, or had it gone a different way, we wouldn't have had that great scene to build this great scene off of. It would have been a completely different world.
0: You know, I always talk about the extended Miyagi-verse, but one way to think about the the thoughts and work that go into the making of Cobra Kai and the Miyagi-verse material now is that it's the Avildsen-verse. On Avildsen, whose hero was Frank Capra. He believed in storytelling as this vehicle for the human spirit. And that scene let us see vulnerability in a way that, that sharpens the characters on their path, as well as the layers to what it is to suffer. I still think That Mr. Miyagi's scene, and I don't think anyone in Cobra Kai would disagree with me, is the most iconic one. Because of the layers of history, that are acting on Mr. Miyagi Mm -hmm. as a Japanese-American man. All these things coming to bear on that character. But Billy does such a great job. And so I was like, is it Sholo or is it Billy? In the end, I thought, "Maybe maybe it's Stingray. Maybe it's Paul Walter Hauser. Hmm. Because Stingray shows this range of emotions. If you told me this character needed to come back, I would be like, "You just want a fan favorite character to make people laugh mm-hmm. at forgetting who we're dealing with." These are the people that use those characters to tell the story and anchor the story. And Paul Walter Hauser does—he makes you feel like he's a kick dog, even though he's the annoying guy. You yeah, know, he's the one who takes it to the face and gets body slammed at the end.
1: True. So you're locking it in. Stingray's your MVP?
0: I'm open to persuasion, but I believe for this moment Stingray's my MVP.
1: Well, Jenny, once again, he for wrote like the, the X, X week in a row, no, Stingray is also my MVP.
0: It's a daily double. Count it. <laughs> Just like Cousin Ness, Colin had written it on a concealed piece of paper and not told me about it, but turned over the card. We have blue cards that look like David Letterman's cards. And any talk show hosts, I guess. But anyway, there it says Stingray.
1: That's right. I
0: thought you were, like, unhappy with my choice from your face.
1: No, I was delighted. And I'll just elaborate a little bit more on what you said, which is, look, Stingray, I guess we owe you something of an apology because you were never... Really, a favorite of this show when you first appeared way back.
0: Well, oh, well, he was, but he wasn't necessarily our favorite. Let's put it that way, because a lot of people. He's loved a fan him. favorite. Look, he's a fan we admit
1: favorite. Stingray is a fan favorite. He's Indeed. never been our favorite around here.
0: And we think Paul Walterhauser is great. Sure. Now, no, Paul reasons
1: Walterhauser, he's proven himself in many other roles a thousand times over. One of the
0: reasons that we never want to be a, at a party with Stingray number one, we don't want to get arrested because the cops are going to be called. <laughs> But number two, it's because Stingray seems deeply unpleasant. and He's the guy who's going to arrive at your party with malt liquor tape to his hands.
1: Right. Well, here's the thing about Stingray as he is presented in his first appearance is that he just feels like an odd fit for the Miyagi-verse. Like, I get it. Like, 80s movies, that kind of culture, you want that party animal archetype in the mix somewhere yeah and again paul belushi walter- not available exactly and again paul walter hauser is able to deliver those classic belushi party animal vibes because he is a great performer i get the math on why they would want that character in there it just felt weird in the miyagi verse and his and his jokes always were fine but like he just always felt a little out of place to me, especially this runner that he was way too old to be in the class with a bunch of kids. Like, he couldn't be in the under-18 tournament. How, could, how would that even work, right? Yep. Unless he had a fake birth certificate or whatever, which I wouldn't put past him. But again, that's a whole other set of circumstances. But as
0: we said, the very first time that character popped up is like, you know, we did improv for years. And we, we know stingrays. Anytime you're on a scene of any kind, there's always a stingray. Yes,
1: there is always a bit of a stingray around. But here's where the joke's on us, is that by bringing him back in this way, in this episode, I didn't think we, like, you know, Paul Walterhauser has gone on to do other really cool roles. Like, I felt like maybe, you know, they had their fun and he was out of the picture. But when he comes back for this episode, he comes back in a big way. They give him a lot of fun stuff to do. He has his big hero moments. And then at the end, they hit us with this really brutal turn where Terry just beats the hell out of Stingray and you're just like, it leaves you thinking, what the hell?
0: Stand with Stingray. Yeah, exactly. We are all Stingray now.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So to take this character who was... Again, much like my MVP for Anthony last episode, to take a character who is so one-note and such a joke in his early appearance and turn him around and make him into this, into a much better character who has much more utility and much more things going on. Still kind of the same joke, but told in a, in a different way, in a different context, makes a lot more sense. And that was kind of the magic trick that they pulled with Stingray in this episode. So, for that stingray, paul walter hauser, enjoy it. You get our MVP for this episode. Congratulations. You did it. You did it.
0: Congrats, guy. <laughs> yeah. So, I would love to hear your favorite Easter
1: egg, please. Oh, my favorite Easter egg. I I love the stuff with cousin Ness, like Oh my gosh. like that's just outstanding. The whole like my cousin Vinny Jersey of it all. She's a delightful new character. I hope we hear from her again at some point in season five. I don't think we see her this this, this season, but I would definitely like to see her again with or without Louie and Lucille and the rest of them. You know, they can come and go. Definitely would like to check in on her and, and see what she's doing. Maybe she'll be in one of these many rumored Cobra Kai offs. What a likable character. Yeah, like instantly likable. And but, much like Marissa Tomei's character, like she's pure competency porn, but yes. like in a... Jerseyed up, like perm, like, yeah. yeah. Like
0: she's like, I can do this. I know what I'm doing. I'm I'm together. We're making this happen. Yeah, it's great. Which I mean, it's it's also a testament to Julia Macchio's acting chops because her personality in real life from all that I've seen is much like softer, kinder, like witty and intelligent, but like not as pushy as Cousin Ness. Sure. She didn't just understand the assignment. She wrote the assignment. So no, I think I, I have to concede, although I would like to add a runner up, which is the Fallen TV. Because Uh, yeah,
1: RIP the TV
0: rules of comedy after something happens twice in a show like this. It's a runner. And the previous season, Carmen knocked the TV off the wall. She was making out with Johnny. This season, everyone was like, how's the TV going to fall? And part of the joke is that it was just already down. TV down. Yeah. RIP TV.
1: The the TV died in the most dramatic scene of the episode, possibly the entire series so far. So definitely pour one out for the TV. Hopefully we'll see it back next season where it can meet a completely new demise. Maybe Sam can kick it or something. Is
0: the TV kind of like the way that John Hamm's hair works in Mad Men? Like when he's Don Draper, you know, and all buttoned up, his hair goes one way. And when he's Dick Whitman and, or like exposed and vulnerable, his hair goes the other way. And so whenever the TV's in flux, Johnny's life is in flux. Absolutely. That's all that means. Glad I could help us out with that.
1: Heaven help us if the TV moves into the miyagi into Do.
0: I'm not sure what Daniel would do with a TV in Miyagi Do. Would it just be like soothing images of Okinawa?
1: Probably. He'd have, probably have a Okinawa PowerPoint going. Wow. Twenty-four-seven, or like a, or like one of those uh, drone YouTube channels that's like twenty-four-seven Okinawa landscapes.
0: Meditation slide deck. Yeah. Or well. Miyagi
1: Do and chill with Sam.
0: Wow, the best. Mm-hmm.
1: On that note, I think that we have covered everything that we could possibly cover. Yes with party time so we had a, we had a ball we did have a ball
0: one could even say it was party time here
1: yes so at don't, the
0: aykkm
1: manse at the aykkm manse so don't forget to rate like and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice be it apple itunes apple music overcast spotify whatever you want to use just rate like and subscribe we're on social media twitter at Karate Kid Pod, Instagram at Karate Kid Pod, at Karate Kid Pod at gmail.com. Write us some email, ask us questions, say what you think. We'll be happy to read it and respond back either in some way, shape, or form. But until then, when we come back to you with our big jumbo-sized season finale episode covering both Cobra Kai Season 4, episodes 9 and 10, The Fall and The Rise. The Fall and The
0: Rise. In that order. That's right. Yep.
1: I've been Colin Kennedy.
0: I remain Jenny Carlson. And we'll see you around the Miyagi-verse. See you around the Miyagi-verse. Are You Karate Kidding Me is hosted by Colin Kennedy and Jenny Carlson. Intro music is by Cheppo. Cobra Kai music is by Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson. Karate Kid music is by Bill Conti. Rate our show on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice to help grow our listenership. Email us at KarateKidPod at
1: gmail.com with questions and comments or find us on social media. Use the Twitter
0: handle at Karate Kid Pod. This podcast is independently produced by Gekering Media.